Hello and welcome to Murder and Mayhem, a South African true crime podcast hosted by me, Bella Monsoon. I'm a mental health professional, so Murder and Mayhem, a South African true crime podcast, explores real-life crimes occurring within South Africa from a psychological viewpoint. Every week, a new case is examined and we delve headfirst into the motives that drive people to do what they do. Join me weekly on a journey into the minds behind the madness as we traverse murder, mayhem, and much more. Hello and welcome to a very different episode. I'm deviating from my usual content to raise awareness about a case that is currently making headlines in South Africa. What started off as an adventure soon turned into a nightmare for one young South African woman in Thailand. Unlike many of the cases I've covered in the past, this one is ongoing and you can play a major role in helping. So I came about this case through a Facebook post that had been shared about a Facebook page concerning the individual. So I decided to personally reach out to the friends and family who are running this Facebook page and offer my help. After communication, they are happy to allow me to share an episode on her story in the hopes of raising more awareness on a worldwide scale. The information in this episode has been shared publicly via the sites and the documents that I have linked in the description box of this video. In some cases, I have changed the names of some of the individuals involved, as is standard in ongoing cases. But in no way have I changed the narrative. This is Ashley Oersthuizen's story. Ashley Oersthuizen was born in South Africa to Andre and Lynette. Andre managed a franchised grocery store, a spa, and he is also a well-known businessman in the town of Lindenburg. Ashley grew up in the small town of Lindenburg from the period of 2007 to 2011. However, shortly thereafter, she moved with her mother to the small town of George in the Western Cape. After matriculating from Otaniqua High School, like many young adults her age, she longed for an adventure. And so she spent her December vacation after matriculating, not partying like many of her peers, but instead working. She would lifeguard during the day and she was working at a restaurant at night in order to be able to follow her dream. You see, Ashley wanted to be able to travel abroad and teach. Very soon her hard work had paid off and she was afforded the opportunity to move overseas and study to pursue her TEFL as well as take part in what she thought would be an experience of a lifetime. Her first destination was Koh Samoy in Thailand. She had moved with her boyfriend of two years and after they had both received their TEFL certifications, they had moved to Bangkok to teach. However, shortly after this, she had discovered that he had cheated on her and so she decided to move back to Koh Samoy where she had some friends. It was here that she had then found occupation as a preschool teacher. Thailand is a surefire favorite holiday destination and each year it not only attracts many visitors but also students and people from around the world who are looking for a change of scenery, an adventure. And it was here in the second largest island of Thailand, Koh Samoy, that one such young woman would later meet a man who would forever change her life. Tristan Nettles was a 32-year-old American teacher who was employed at another school on the island, 
Panyadi International School. He ended up working here from the period of 2017 to 2020. Although on the surface, Tristan seemed like a fun, hardworking, good person, just beneath the facade was a deep secret that he was keeping. As Tristan Nettles had grown up, in his own words, he had had many negative encounters with the law. He had been caught selling drugs repeatedly since he was 12 years old for starters. His behavior would later see him expelled from five middle schools and seven high schools for drug dealing and assault. I mean, that's quite the list. He also did serve time for many of these offenses, including a stint of 56 days whilst he was serving in the Marine Corps Infantry at Quantico, Virginia in 2009. His misdemeanors were not only limited to drug dealing though, as he was also involved in a home invasion later that very year in Mississippi. He later accepted a plea deal in regards to the charge. In the years that followed, he then began to travel. It was later in Micronesia in 2017, he began distributing drugs. And he very soon discovered that this was an incredibly lucrative side hustle. So very soon after officially beginning to work at the Panyadi International School, he began importing drugs from the dark web. This started off in small batches at first to test the waters, so to speak, but it soon increased to kilos each month. These packages would arrive in the mail and they would soon thereafter be collected from the main office, a room full of security cameras, which basically means that every single instance of him picking up these parcels has been caught on footage somewhere. But Tristan wasn't acting alone in his operation. He had a friend, a Russian maths teacher at the very same school, We'll call him S. For almost three years, they continued this trade, using Bitcoin as a means to send and receive payments and commissions. Now, as you may know, Bitcoin and cryptocurrency is the number one choice for many dark web and illicit deals, due to the inability to track transactions and identities. MDMA, LSD, ecstasy pills, ketamine, and cocaine were just a few of the drugs purchased during Tristan's dark web shopping sessions. And during this time, no one suspected a thing though. Although spending many of his nights at parties moving his product, he never missed work and his teaching was always praised. His students also had the highest IGCSE test scores in the school's history after just his second year of teaching there. He was even given a commendation by the school itself. He was leading the perfect double life, like many of the individuals I have spoken about in previous episodes. And so we're pivoting to 2019. During a Halloween party, Ashley, who was 19, met Tristan, who was 32. At the time, Ashley was working at the Unrak International School, but unfortunately was let go after a fellow teacher had complained about her lack of a four-year degree. Both women had apparently been in competition for the same job position. So although she loved her job and she loved the children that she was teaching, the environment was not a great one for her and she didn't feel as though she fitted in or belonged. After being left unemployed, Ashley had begun working many odd jobs around the island, from being a nanny, 
tutor to even an aerial yoga instructor. I mean, this girl was dedicated to the cause and she was willing to work hard. However, none of these positions guaranteed her a work permit and without such a permit, she would soon have to return to South Africa. At this point in time, she really felt as though Thailand was her new home, and so she wasn't keen on returning just yet. And that was when who she believed to be her knight in shining armor offered to help. Tristan, her now boyfriend, was planning on opening a new restaurant, and so he told Ashley that he would make her the manager of the new restaurant. It really was a win-win situation. He would have a new manager for his restaurant and she would have a work permit, so she would be able to continue living on the island. And so Hot in the Biscuit was born. Ashley worked incredibly hard in the days leading up to the eventual opening on January 16th, 2020. She worked six days per week, waking up at quarter past five in the morning every single day to ensure the shop was opened and running at 7am as breakfast was the speciality on offer. She soon built up a loyal customer base and everybody loved her, especially her new friend and the chef of the restaurant. Ashley was over the moon. She was dating a great guy and she was living a fun island dream. Her relationship, however, was far from picture perfect, and Tristan was far from the perfect boyfriend, to say the least. In later statements about their first meeting, he would say, I became infatuated with Ashley for a while and developed a fondness towards her. It was intoxicating being around someone so inexperienced and green behind the gills. Ashley, however, was head over heels in love with him, and she truly believed that they had a long and happy future ahead of them. And on the restaurant front, Ashley was excelling. She made the menu, recipes, costing, and even collaborated with local suppliers. She would even go to weekly community markets like the Green Markets. She absolutely loved her job, but her hard work was rewarded with meager remuneration. She was only paid 25,000 baht per month, the equivalent of around 11,000 rand or $775. For all the amount of work she was doing and the hours she was working, this was definitely not the salary that she should have been getting, in my opinion at least. The amount that she was making basically covered her living expenses and day-to-day -day life, but didn't afford her many, if any, luxuries, and she wasn't even able to buy a new cell phone when her old one had stopped working. So where was Tristan in all of this? Well, about seven months after the restaurant had opened, in around August of 2020, Tristan had left for Ukraine to study medicine. And as you may all well remember, 2020 was the year of true pandemonium. And with all the restrictions put in place, Tristan decided that it was time that he reboot his illicit affairs. He then decided to resume his trade on the island with the help of his partner, S. Remember him? But deliveries could no longer be directed to the school. So, why the change of venue, you may ask? A little while after Tristan had left the island, a package containing 50 grams of MDMA 
his package to be precise, was found in the school mailroom, which alerted the CEO of the school that something was going on. It was shortly after this discovery that Tristan was accused by the aforementioned CEO of importing illicit substances. And so, with the venue needing to change, Tristan decided to start using the restaurant. Yes, the very same restaurant that Ashley was running. And so, in September of 2020, he began to import and have packages delivered to the restaurant. Throughout this time, Ashley had absolutely no idea what was happening. As I mentioned, Tristan was no longer in the country from around August, and prior to that, they had also never lived together. A friend who had visited her shortly before everything had happened had stated that she noticed many red flags in the relationship between Ashley and Tristan. Ashley had later sent her messages explaining how Tristan was treating her, and these messages said things like, if you don't make the business a success in two months, then I'm going to take all my money and leave you alone in the country. So Ashley was under a lot of pressure to make this business a success in order to not only please Tristan, but to keep her job and to keep her permit. So Ashley was fully focused on running the business and making it a success. Tristan had then enlisted the help of a friend. We'll call him Fred. And Fred would come by and he would collect the packages that were delivered after he had tracked them online. And so this continued like clockwork for about six weeks. So to put it into perspective, because obviously you may be questioning why Ashley did not suspect anything was amiss, well, Fred had actually used the restaurant address for quite a while in order to receive his packages and his mail because he didn't live on a main road. Fred also happened to be one of Tristan's old friends. Ashley didn't know, but they had actually met because he was a client of Tristan's and he was one of his best customers from around the time that Tristan had started selling on the island. And furthermore, Fred had also sold Tristan his business license so that the restaurant could actually be opened to begin with. So naturally, Ashley was not suspicious of her boyfriend's friend coming to pick up his packages from the restaurant. There really wasn't too much that was sus about the situation. On October 8th, 2020, Ashley, during an incredibly busy shift, was told to sign for a parcel that had arrived. This parcel was addressed to Fred. She was fine to sign digitally for the parcel, but the delivery man insisted that she also signed a physical copy. She thought this was strange, but she was super busy, and so she signed the copy, accepted the box, and placed it immediately to the side unopened and continued with her work. This chain of events was confirmed by several eyewitnesses on the scene. To her, there was absolutely nothing strange, it was just another parcel. Little did she realize that this delivery driver had been sent by the police as part of a sting operation. The police had been tipped off by the CEO of the school that I previously spoke about, who knew that Tristan had now opened a restaurant. And within 10 minutes of Ashley signing for that parcel, they arrived on the scene. They had told her that they were from immigration and they'd asked for her passport, which she happily handed over as she thought that this was just a standard visa permit check. 
It was there that the nightmare truly began for Ashley. It turned out that inside of the package there was 250 grams of MDMA. Now, if you've watched Banged Up Abroad or if you know anything about the penalties for drug trafficking in many countries in Asia, you will know that it's no laughing matter. Ashley was immediately taken to a government facility and interrogated without a lawyer or an interpreter present. Given the fact that she did not speak Thai, she was then forced to sign documentation in Thai against her will, terrified of the consequences should she refuse. So to elaborate on what I mean, there have been multiple incidents of further assault being committed whilst individuals are in custody or awaiting prison in Thailand. These have been documented, but unfortunately, they just keep occurring. Therefore, the fear of rape or death was incredibly real and incredibly terrifying. Her home was searched exhaustively, but no drugs, drug paraphernalia, or anything in the way of photos, videos, customer info, bank accounts, and the such to link her to the importation itself was found. She was then also drug tested and all the tests came back clean. Ashley was only 21 years old, alone, scared, in a foreign country, dealing with multiple male police officials, speaking a language she did not know. Her family in South Africa, upon hearing what had happened, were shocked. Initially, Lynette, her mother, thought their arrest was a scam and could not believe it. Once they realized what was happening, though, they did everything they could to try and help. Tristan apparently was also doing what he could to aid the situation, and he got lawyers involved. Lawyer after lawyer were allegedly paid, but they did not deliver on their promises to get Ashley out on bail, at the very least. Unfortunately, due to their inept dealings, her bail of 2 million baht, which is the equivalent of just over 900,000 rand, or $61,000, was denied. I'm not familiar with Thai legislature and law, but I did read that once bail is categorically denied in the beginning, that it is incredibly difficult, if not impossible, to get bail later on. I do stand to be corrected on that. So you may ask, seeing as I just mentioned him a little while earlier, where was Tristan in all of this? So we know that Tristan was not in Thailand at the time, however he had instructed his business partner, S, to dig up $60,000 that he had buried on his property in Koh Samui as he had always planned to come back and he told him to give that money to Ashley for her trial and her defense. However, a week before her bail money was even due, S gave Tristan half of that money and he absconded with the rest. Great friend he was. The school had found out what had been happening right in their midst, and they had chosen to protect S, which was in essence helping them to sweep the whole thing under the rug and protect their private school reputation. And so Ashley, a foreign young woman from South Africa, was left to take all the blame. With politics and big connections at play, the months of illicit drug importation and smuggling using the school as a delivery point was ignored. And rather, the attention was placed on six weeks worth of parcels that were received at Hot in the Biscuit and, of course, on Ashley. 
this was a turning point for Tristan, and he came clean with the whole story, or at least a good portion of it. I've also linked his public statement in the description. But all of that being said, he did not return to Thailand. Instead, he returned home to the US. When asked why he would not return to Thailand, he had said, and I quote, because accepting a life sentence for importing harmless MDMA for consenting adults after governments just forcibly vaccinated millions against their will with experimental cocktails would be bowing to tyrants. I do not bow to tyrants. I kill them. He is currently an avid supporter of the Free Ashley movement, but to the disagreement of many, Ashley's friends and family included, he will not return to Thailand to stand trial for the part and the role he played in this entire ordeal. He would later go on to say, Ashley's only crime was being my girlfriend. If you visit his Facebook profile, you will be bombarded with a barrage of free Ashley posts. He, however, is fully aware and understands just how dangerous and uncertain the Thai criminal system is. And so for that reason, he has chosen to remain in the US. And honestly, I'm just not certain that he's doing any of it for the right reasons in the least. He does admit to treating her poorly and cheating on her multiple times through some of his posts and ramblings, but I feel personally that he's doing all of this in a bid to absolve himself and to make himself appear a lot better than he actually is. I also say this because there was really no information about Ashley anywhere on his Facebook profile until things really started to blow up online and then all of a sudden there was a website and there was multiple posts from him. The way I see it is that if he was truly remorseful and cared deeply about Ashley's well-being, like he claims to, he would return to Thailand to stand trial and take the charges that should be his. On the 18th of August 2021, Ashley, who was initially sentenced to death, had her sentence commuted to life imprisonment. In Thailand, that is a maximum of 25 years. Her family has started the appeals process, but that can take anywhere from 8 to 14 months. She was also moved suddenly in the middle of the night in December of 2021, and she went radio silent for three months. After not being able to see, hear, or speak to her daughter since December, last week on Friday, her mother Lynette was able to speak to her on a video call for 15 minutes. She communicated that given the circumstances, Ashley was in good health and good spirits. She's allowed a phone call or a video call from immediate family members and relatives once a month for 15 minutes. During her court appearances, she was quarantined for two weeks every single time. Altogether, that time added up to about three months in total. Three months of complete isolation. And that is on top of the three months of zero communication 
to any family members. The negative mental health effects of sustained isolation in a foreign country are plentiful. And on top of the trauma of the entire arrest and criminal proceedings, it's really a lot for one person to deal with. And I'm almost certain that she has not been receiving any access to counseling or mental health assistance from any Thai resources either. The priority now for her family and friends is to get her out of the Thai prison system. The next step, which as far as I'm aware is underway, is appealing her life sentence as I previously mentioned. So now with her story being known, how can you help? Well, first and foremost, you can share Ashley's story, whether that is sharing this video or sharing the website that has been started by her family and loved ones, or even joining the Facebook page that has been started to raise awareness, a voice for Ashley Orstazen. I will link all of these that I've just mentioned in the description too. The hope is that by increasing visibility, Pressure is put on the Thai government to act fairly and do what is ultimately right. You can also share your own post, video or images of you holding up a voice for Ashley's sign. And these can also be sent via email to Ashley's family and friends, which I will link the email address in the description box. The purpose of that, well, they are going to be compiled into a video and that is going to be shared with Ashley to show her the many faces of support that are behind her and rooting for her. Given what she is currently facing and the undeniable trauma that has already been caused, this glimpse of hope and support will mean so much to her. At the time of researching and filming, there is no official fundraising link. However, it has been communicated that one of her family members, I think her mother, will be opening a trust fund account, which might be shared later on, in which people can donate towards her legal expenses. However, there is no other fundraiser currently ongoing. I do mention this because there was a previous fundraiser that was shut down, as it was proven that there were no links to any family member, friend or loved one of Ashley's. I just want to say thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen to Ashley Ulstazen's story. She has her whole life ahead of her and I hope through the power of community, social media and visibility, justice will prevail. Until next time, stay safe, stay blessed and stay the amazing human beings that I know each and every single one of you are. Bye.